Now, I don't know about you, but, you know, there was a time in my life where I believed in God, went to church, but I didn't know too much about the Bible. I didn't realize how many answers the Bible has to how many questions and issues that we go through in life. Amen? And so when we're talking about I was wondering, I was wondering what the Bible has to say. You mean the Bible speaks specifically to marriages? Yes, it does. Not only that, but the Bible also speaks specifically to single people. Amen? And all the singles said, amen. And so last week we focused on what the Bible had to say for marriages while the singles just sat there and and tolerated it. And so this week we're going to talk about what the Bible has to say to singles and us married people need to sit here and tolerate it. And everybody said, amen. So let's look at what the Bible has to say to singles. I want to begin this message today by, first of all, exposing a myth concerning singles. It's a myth. It's not true. A myth that single people are less valuable or not as valuable as married people. You know, it's, it's not unusual for some singles to think, you know, I can really do something for God after I get married. You know, after become, I have a family. Well, how many of you know that is a myth? Are y'all with me? That is a myth. Consider this verse of Scripture. Romans 2, verse 11. For God does not show favoritism. God does not show favoritism. In other words, the Lord doesn't prefer rich people over poor people. He doesn't prefer, you know, um, a short people over tall people. Amen? Married people over single people. The Lord loves us all. Amen. Thank God. He loves all His children equally. And so whether you're single or you're married, God loves you and you are great value to the Lord. So listen, you know, your value and worth to the Lord is not based on your marital status. Has nothing to do with it. Amen. If you are breathing and you can hear my voice, you are valuable to the Lord. You are fashioned and formed in His image. You look like Him and He loves you in a crazy way. Amen. Listen, consider these two truths concerning singles, biblical truths. First of all, singleness is considered a gift from God. And this is what 1 Corinthians 7, 7 says. Paul says, I wish everyone could get along without marrying just as I do. But we are not all the same. God gives some the gift of marriage, and to others he gives the gift of singleness. So according to Paul's perspective, the desire to be single or being single, is a gift from God. Amen? Are y'all with me? And so it's not not a, a curse. No, it's a gift from God. Paul said, I'm glad to be single. He said, some of y'all don't have that gift. But I have it. And he was glad about it. Amen? And so, you know, singleness is considered a gift of God. So instead of believing The lie that the Lord prefers married people over single people. Believe the truth. Your value as a single is as great or more valuable than married people are. Amen? And so this is a second truth concerning singles. Singleness affords you the opportunity to devote yourself to the Lord. And that's what 1 Corinthians 7 verse 32 says. Listen, it's in the message I'm reading from. He said, I want you to live as free of complications as possible. When you're unmarried, you're free to concentrate on simply pleasing the master. Marriage involves you in all the nuts and bolts of domestic life and in wanting to please your spouse. Leading to so many more demands on your attention, the time and energy that married people spend on caring for and nurturing each other 
the unmarried can spend on becoming whole and holy instruments of God. Now, Paul says the single life allows you time and energy to concentrate on pleasing and serving God. After you're married, your time and your, ten- your, time and your attention is, is, is distracted or it's divided so that you could care about your spouse and you don't have your full attention to devote to the Lord. So it's a perfect season. It's a great season if you're single right now. It's a perfect season for you to totally and completely, wholly devote yourself to God to see what God has for you in this life. Amen? Now, let's take a look at the biblical instructions for singles. And when you think about the instructions, you know, the single population consists of three groups of people. First, they are the widows and widowers. There's some people in here that are, are, is either a widow or a widower. And, and they lost their spouse. But there's also married folks. At one time they were married, but they've been divorced. And now they're single because they've been divorced from their marriage for whatever reason. And then there's single people that have never been married or not of age to be married and they're in a single state. And you know the incredible thing is the Bible addresses all three of these groups. It it addresses them specifically. First, let's look at the biblical instructions for widows and widowers. The big question for widows and widowers is should they remarry after they lose their spouse? Well, you know, somebody said, man, it took me... All these years to train my last spouse, I'm not about to start all over again. (laughs) Now, Paul answers this question in the letter to Timothy. If you turn over there to 1 Timothy chapter 5, Paul addresses the widows. And in verse 9, he says, a widow, let let me give you time to turn there. uh, 1 Timothy 5 and verse 9. He says, a widow who puts on the, who is put on the list for support must be a woman who is at least 60 years old and was faithful to her husband. Now, the list he's talking about, he's talking to the church, and he said, church, you ought to take care of the widows. But first of all, if they have children or grandchildren, then they should take care of that widow first before the church has to. And that widow should have left, lived a, an exemplary life to qualify to be helped by the church. And so he says there in verse 10, she must be well-respected to everyone, or by everyone because of the good she has done? Has she brought up her children well? Has she been kind to strangers and served other believers humbly? Has she helped those who are in trouble? Has she always been ready to do good? The younger widows should be on the list because the younger widows should not be on the list because their physical desires will overpower their devotion to Christ and they will want to marry. Then they would be guilty of breaking their previous pledge. And if they are on the list... They will learn to be lazy and will spend their time gossiping from house to house, meddling in other people's business, and talking about things they shouldn't. Man, the Bible can be kind of hard, can it? And in verse 14 it says, So I advise these younger widows to marry again, have children, and take care of their homes. Then the enemy will not be able to say anything against them. For I am afraid that some of them have already gone astray and now follow Satan. So Paul's answer answers the question concerning whether a widow should remarry or not. And Paul says it depends on the age and the individual needs of the widow or the widower. And so, first of all, he says, 
Paul says, if you're young, I advise you to remarry. That's what he says in verse 14. I advise the younger widows to marry again, have children, and take care of their own homes. He encourages the young widow or the widower to start all over again because they're going to get distracted. They, you know, he says, it's great if you just go ahead and, and get remarried, have children, and do this all over again. He encourages them. You remember, uh, some young widowers stay single the rest of their life Because they feel like if they ever get remarried again, that somehow God won't be happy with that. Well, where's your spouse? Well, they died. They died for some reason. Well, you can remarry. Well, I don't think so. You know, I married and I don't think the Lord would be happy with me if I remarry. That Bible says you should. Amen? So don't live under the condemnation that you can't remarry if you've lost your spouse. The Bible, I believe, Paul here says you should. Go ahead and and, and be remarried. So be released in Jesus' name. Amen? In Romans 7, 2 and 3, he says, For example, by law, a married woman is bound to her husband as long as he is alive. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. So then if she marries another man while her husband is still alive, she is called an adulteress. But if her husband dies... She is released from the law and is not an adulteress even though she marries another man. So according to Paul, in other other words, if your spouse dies and you're young, you should marry. And let me just stop right now to say this. Some people, they don't know what the Bible says. And now they come to church and they get saved. And they look at this and say, well, I didn't know this. What do I do now? What if I violated that? Do I leave my spouse and I go start, go try to... No, I say, you, it's just like anything else. You ask God to forgive you and you receive the grace of God. Amen? And you move forward. Okay? Now, another reason Paul says a widow, a widow is to remarry is if your physical desires overpower you, then you should remarry. And that's what he says in 1 Timothy 5.11. Paul says to the widow... Because their physical desires will overpower their devotion to Christ and they will want to remarry. Verse 14, he says, So I advise these younger widows to marry again. Now, I know it's not just young widows that have these overpowering desires and passions, but also those of us that are a little bit up in age. And so that's what he's saying there. Paul encourages you to remarry if your physical desires overpower you. Verse 8, he says in 1 Corinthians 7, So I say to those who aren't married and to widows, it is better to stay married just as I am, but if they can't control themselves, they should go ahead and marry. It is better to marry than to burn with lust. Amen. Now let me stop again just to say this. If you're in a dating relationship and you're sexually active, you should heed this counsel and either get married or quit. Right? That's what the Bible says, right? You know, the Bible says every sin that you, you commit is outside the body except sexual sin. And whenever you commit sexual sin, you sin against your own body. And so, you know, in a day and an age where everything is tolerated in the name of tolerance, the Bible still holds true And we still have to live upright lives. And we should live by the authority of the Scripture. Amen. Amen. If you agree, say amen. Amen. Now let's look at what the Bible says to the divorced. 
Biblical instructions for the divorce. I am treading out on thin ice this morning. I feel it. But I, you probably didn't bring any tomatoes with you. But come on, the word's got to be preached. Amen? I need it, you need it, we all need it. The big question for the divorce, again, should or can a divorced person remarry? Well, you know, I was just talking to a pastor the other day, and he was saying, man, he got somebody in his church that divorced his wife. He's sitting on this side of church, divorced his wife, hooked up with another girl, another lady in the church. Now he sits on this side of the church with another lady. I think he should put him out. That's what the Bible says. Right? But when's the last time in church that we stood up and said, hey, we're putting somebody out, they're living in fornication and in uncleanness, and we got to... We don't do that anymore. But that's what the Scripture says. That if you got, if you got immorality in the church and you find out about it, you ought to put them out of the church. You ought to, you ought to expose them. And he says, you know what that'll do? That'll release holiness in the church and make people live in a godly way. I don't want to be embarrassed in front of the church. You know, but you know what people will do? They'll leave that church and go to another church where they can sit down and, and that church will tolerate it. But how many of you know we got to get back to biblical holiness? Amen? So should or can a divorced person remarry? I believe Paul answers the questions in 1 Corinthians 7 and verse 10. He says, for those who are married, I have a command that comes not from me, but from the Lord. A wife must not leave her husband, but if she does leave him, let her remain single or else be reconciled to him. And the husband must not leave his wife. So now let's take a closer look at what Paul is saying in verse 10. He says, for those who are married, I have a command that comes not from me, but from the Lord. A wife must not leave her husband, but if she does leave him, let her remain single or else be reconciled to him, and the husband must not leave his wife. In other words, if you're married, your spouse starts beating you up and and abusing you, don't stay there and get killed, leave. Amen? So first Paul speaks to the married, and he says, if both parties in marriage are believers... Uh, If both parties in a marriage are believers, divorce should not be an option. And if they're having problems, they should work it out through the help of God and the counsel of others. You know, this is important, and they should keep their vows to God and each other. You know, this is important because some people, they get real spiritual, and they say, well, you know that, that person I married, that's not my kingdom wife. That's not my kingdom husband. The Lord showed me that somebody else is. No, no, no. That does not fly with the truth of Scripture. Amen? Because your wife or your husband has bad breath is not an excuse to divorce your wife or your husband. Amen? And so let's read on the text in verse 12 and 14. He says, now I speak to the rest of you, though I do not have a direct command from the Lord. If a Christian man has a wife who is not a believer and she's willing to continue living with him, he must not leave her. And if a Christian woman has a husband who is not a believer and he's willing to continue to live with her, she must not leave him. For the Christian wife brings holiness to her marriage and the Christian husband brings holiness to his marriage. Otherwise, your children would not be holy, but now they are holy. 
So Paul is saying here in these verses, if you're married to an unbeliever, you should remain committed to your marriage just as though you were married to a believer. As long as your unbelieving spouse will remain with the believing spouse, you have no grounds to break your vow. In other words, you know, if you're both heathen when you get married and you get saved and your husband or your wife is not saved and they don't like to go to church and they don't like godly things, that's not grounds for you to leave your wife just because they're not a believer. Paul encourages you, stay there. Who knows? They might get saved. Amen? You can't get divorced because your husband or wife isn't interested in serving God. That's basically what he's saying here. Now, here's the answer to the big question. Should or can divorced person remarry? In verse 15, he says, If the husband or wife who isn't a believer insist on leaving, let him go. In such case, the Christian husband or wife is no longer bound to the other. For God has called you to live in peace. So it seems what Paul is saying here is this. If you're separated from your spouse but not scripturally divorced, your vow is still in effect and you're not free to go around dating. You're committed. However, if your unbelieving spouse leaves you and or divorces you, you are free to pursue another relationship. In verse 15, he says, If the husband or wife who isn't a believer insist on leaving, let them go. In such cases, the Christian husband or wife is no longer bound to the other. In other words, you know, if you get married and, and you're both heathens and you get saved and your spouse don't get saved and they don't like you anymore because you like godliness and stuff and so they just go out there and they go, you know, have girlfriends or boyfriends and they go live out and you just say, what, I have to put up with this the rest of my life? No, the scripture says, I think Paul is saying here is you can leave. Paul says if a husband or a wife insists on leaving, the husband or wife is no longer bound to the other. You're released. A spouse leaving, I believe, would include and also mean if your spouse enters into an adulterous relationship, be it homosexual, heterosexual, incestuous, or anything like that. In Matthew 19, in verse 9, Jesus said, I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for marital unfaithfulness and marries another woman commits adultery. And so Jesus mentions marital unfaithfulness as a cause for someone to divorce their spouse. As Paul did. So according to Paul and Jesus, divorced people can remarry if there has been an abandonment or infidelity in their marriage. That's the way that I see it. Now, important to note, it don't mean you have to leave because your spouse has been unfaithful. Because right here in this church, there's great examples of how God has totally redeemed a marriage covenant that has been broken through the grace and the power of the Spirit of God. Amen? So, you know, you may choose to leave, but you may choose to allow God to restore that marriage. And that's okay too. I believe that pleases God, don't you? Amen. And so now, God has grace for all of us. Amen. And, uh, you know, we tend to put sins like this one is a bigger sin than this one. Degrees of sin. But how many of you know, sin is sin? Well, the exception of sexual sin that affects your body... It's all sin. Amen? 
And so the Scripture gives us instruction and relationship here. And so listen, I want to tell you, whenever you're dealing with family members or whatever that talk to you and want your counsel, you should bring them to the Scripture and say, read the Scripture, pay attention to the Scripture, meditate on the Scripture, and do what the Bible says to do. Amen? Are y'all with me? And we, need to, we, can be, we can be counselors to married folk if we will just bring the Bible to them. Amen? And if, if we think we're over our head, send them to press, you know, professional Christian counseling. You know, send them to Pastor Nick or somebody. And uh, God can help us all. Amen? Are y'all with me today? And so there's biblical instructions for the widows. And the widower, there's biblical instruction for the divorce. And there's biblical instruction for those who have never been married. To the unmarried, you need to know that it's okay if you don't want to get married. And that's what 1 Corinthians 7 and verse 8 says. I say to those who aren't married and to widows, it's better to stay unmarried just as I am. Paul said, it's better to stay unmarried like I am. Paul was a single man. And God used him mightily. What a great example of how God can use somebody that is single. Amen? And so, remember, some people have this gift of singleness. So you don't have to get married. In verse 7, 1 Corinthians 7, 7, he says, I wish everyone were single just as I am, but God gives to some the gift of marriage and to others the gift of singleness. So he says, listen, you don't have to get married. You can stay single. And you're not less of a person if you don't get married. You're not a half a cookie. Amen. You're not weird. You're not inferior. You you are blessed of God, called of God, made in His image just like everybody else. Don't let the church, the world, your family, your friends, or anybody else put some junk on you. Amen. If you have the gift of being single, bless God, serve God with all your heart. Amen. Come on. Yes. So let's look at some biblical advice on getting married if you're single. You know, to the singles wanting to get married, you know, it's, it's, it's unbelievable how this works, but, you know, single people, they think, man, if I can just get married, I'm going to be happy. You hear all that chuckling, what they're saying is that's not true. Amen? And all the married people said... That's not true. You can't get married and get happy. You got to get married. You got to get happy like you are. Amen. Because, you you know, getting married, I'm telling you, it's not going to make you happy. And so we need to learn to get happy like we are, get content like we are. Amen. And because it's easier, you know, it's funny because, you know, single people want to get married so they can be happy. And married people are thinking, man, I wish I was single and then I could be happy. Not all of them, but some of them, amen? In fact, some of them feel that so strongly, they get divorced, thinking, now I'm going to be happy. Happiness is not in your marital status. Happiness is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? The joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen? You can't rely on another person to make you happy. So let's talk about I want to encourage all those of you that are single to consider two important commitments that you should make in your life. The first commitment is to marry only someone who walks with God. And, uh, you know, somebody said, 
you know, don't marry a Christian. Marry somebody who walks with God. So what do you mean don't marry a Christian? Well, if you go survey people, they're all Christians. Especially if they like you and they know you're a Christian. The right response is, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, that's my middle name. That's my middle name. My middle name is Christian. Right? So you can't just, just because somebody says I'm a Christian, I'm, you know, and they give you a denominational, you know, title. That's what I used to do. And say, somebody said, are you a Christian? I would give them my denominational title. Oh, yeah, I'm a. And they would look at me and smile. Say, that don't mean you're a Christian. You can stand in a hole. It don't make you holy. Amen. Right? Just because they wear a, you know, a Christian t-shirt don't mean they're a Christian. Amen? And so listen what the scripture says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14. It says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what does righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Or you could say, Satan. And so, what does a believer have to do with an unbeliever? And coming with an unbeliever. So basically, the scripture is saying, you know, if you're going to get married, and Christ is important to you, don't marry somebody who's Christ, who Christ is not important to them. He said, but they told me, Todd, they told me Christ was important to them. You can't listen to what they say. You've got to watch what they do. You've got to watch what they do. Jesus said you're going to know them by their fruit, by not by what they say. Amen? And he says, so listen, if your desire is to live for Christ, don't go dating, don't go hanging around somebody who's not interested in Jesus. You know, somebody said, if a child of God marries a child of the devil, he will continually have trouble with his father-in-law. Amen. You don't want that dude as your father-in-law. Amen. Come on, are y'all with me out there? But you know what? Listen, it's amazing that people will totally disregard this if he's handsome enough. Or if she's fine enough. Come on. If she got all the curves in the right places, it's okay. No, it's not okay. Commit yourself to marrying only somebody, not who says they're a Christian, who walks with God. Amen? You know, remember Solomon? He was considered the wisest man who ever lived. Remember that? The Bible said there was nobody wiser before him, nobody after him. He was the wisest man who ever lived, but he made one very grave mistake. You know what it was? He disregarded this principle. He totally disregarded this principle. He married foreign or heathen, ungodly, unchristlike, unchristian wives. And these foreign wives, the Bible says, turned his heart away from the Lord. In 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 4, As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord, his God, as the heart of David his father had been. 
Solomon was incredibly smart, but when it came to relationships, he lost his mind. He had, what was it, 700 wise and 300 concubines. He had 1,000 all together. Now we look at that and say, man, you are nuts. Well, you know what? That wasn't the deal because it was, it was permissible in that day. The problem was who he married. It was foreign, heathen wives. And the Bible says that these wives turned Solomon's heart away from the Lord. He became an idolater because of his poor choice of relationships. And this resulted in Solomon losing his kingdom. In verse King, 1 Kings 11.10, he, uh, he had warned Solomon specifically about worshiping other gods, but Solomon didn't listen to the Lord's command. So now the Lord said to him, Since you have not kept my covenant and disobeyed my decrees, I will surely tear the kingdom away from you and give it to one of your servants. So Solomon totally lost his kingdom because of the influence of his ungodly relationships. And I see it like this. It's like... You know, what happens when a Christian sells out? You know, Judas sold his Christianity for 30 pieces of silver. He betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. They got Christians that betrayed Jesus for one handsome man or one pretty girl. They betray Jesus. They throw away their, their commitment and their loyalty to Jesus Christ because of one person. And I think, you know, what Solomon lost his kingdom, I believe, you know, you lose the favor of God on your life when you do that. Because you put that person above God and you become an idolater. And God don't bless idolaters. Come on, are y'all with me? And so, you know, this is so important. The most important consideration for a single, I believe, is when you consider getting in a relationship, make sure that the person is full on committed to Jesus Christ. Not a little bit, but totally committed to Jesus Christ. Amen. And so can I pause just to say, parents, you can't tell your children what to do, but you can sure warn them. Don't encourage them. Hello. We should encourage them. It's their decision. We can't control their decision, but we should encourage them. Amen? So for those of you that are single that want to get married, heed this, this, this call today. Amen? And the second commitment is commit to allowing the Lord to make you Mr. or Mrs. Right. You know, because you know what our tendency is to be so worried about finding Mr. or Mrs. Right that we forget about becoming Mr. or Mrs. Right. Amen? And let me read 1 Corinthians 7.33 in the message again. And it says, marriage involves you in all the nuts and bolts of domestic life and in wanting to please your spouse, leading to so many more demands on your attention. The time and energy that married people spend on caring for and nurturing each other, the unmarried can spend in becoming whole and holy instruments of God. And so Paul gives this, the uh, singles some good advice here in this verse. He says, use your time and energy on concentrate on becoming whole and holy instruments of God. So remember the spiritual principle 
This spiritual principle, why are you waiting? Remember this spiritual principle in Galatians 6 and 7. And it says this, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from their sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Amen? And sometimes that's the word that a single person needs to hear. Don't give up. I mean, you've lived for God, you've walked with God, and you're just like, man, where's the godly men around here? Where's the godly women around here? You know, it's just like there's none for me. And you want to just compromise, give it up, and just go out there and go hunting. And, and the scripture says, no, don't do that. Remember the spiritual principle of sow, sowing and reaping. Amen? What you plant in your life is most likely what you're going to harvest in your life. Amen? So if you want to harvest Mr. Right, sow to becoming Mr. Right. Amen? I need an amen. And so, you know, if you want, you know, you, if, you draw, if you sit down and you just pull out your pencil and you say, okay, draw a picture with words of the person you want to marry. You sit down and you draw that picture. Well, first of all, they got to be handsome. Amen? She's got to be pretty. I mean, pretty I'm talking about. Well, if you want a pretty girl, brush your teeth, comb your hair, sew to your appearance. Come on, are y'all with me out there? Is this a natural principle? What you put in the ground is what you're going to get out. Amen? Come on. And so sit down, write out what you want, and then become that person that you just drew. And your chances of marrying who you desire will increase greatly because it's a spiritual principle. What you put in the ground is what's going to grow out of the ground. Amen? So listen, if you want a godly spouse, I want, I want a, a godly person. Well, become a godly person. Why would God want to torment somebody and put them with us if we're not becoming the person that we're desiring. Amen? So if you want a faith, how many of you think it's a good idea to have a faithful spouse? So faithfulness in your life. You know, don't go from one relationship to the other. You sow that kind of baloney, you might reap that kind of baloney. Amen? Be faithful. If you want a faithful spouse, sow faithfulness to your, to your Lord. Amen? Sow faithfulness in your life. If you want a loving spouse, sow loving seeds right now into your life. Learn how to love right now. Not sexually, but learn how to love. Be kind, be nice, be cordial, all that stuff. Amen? If you want to marry somebody that's pure, live pure. Amen. So oh, I don't want anybody all used up. Well, you think somebody can want you? Hey, this is just this is just straight reality right here. Amen.
And so Paul says, listen, why you're single? You know what? Once you get married, you know, when Paul says you'll have trouble, it means, you know, you got two personalities. People, different ideas, different passions, different desires, different goals, different, you know, all that. And you marry, you get married. I mean, it's not so easy to just, you know, kissy, kissy, lovey, lovey all the time. Amen. Where are we going to go eat? We going here. No, I want to go here. Oh, here we go. Amen. There we go. No, let's put the toothpaste here. No, I want it over here. Well, I like it right here. I want it over here. So the more that you lay down your life and let the character of Christ be formed in you, the greater your chances of having a good marriage and a successful relationship. Amen? And so, you know, why, right now, why are you waiting and you waiting for Mr. Right? Work on becoming Mr. Right. Use your time and your energy to become holy and whole instruments of God. You know, if you've got issues in your life with your character, get counsel, let God work on them. Because whenever you get married, those things won't go away. They'll cause problems in your marriage. So let God form your character. And you'll have a greater, greater chance of having a very godly and eternal relationship. Amen? You see, right now, the divorce rate is 50% or above, and everybody, every 10 people that get married, you know, statistically, half of them are not going to make it. And it's not much different in church. Well, how do you increase those odds? The preparation prior to? Amen? Is how you go into it. It's how you transition into that relationship. Whatever you put into it is what you're going to get out of it. You sow spiritual seeds into your life and there's a good chance you're going to reap that in your life as well. Amen. Would you stand with me and let's close in prayer. You know, I want to, I want to mention before we close, just mention, you know, it's impossible to cover all the different facets and, and aspects of relationships in, in a you know in a sermon so maybe maybe just hearing some of this stuff maybe raise some questions in your mind you know just cause you to you know think about things that that you might need to pursue you might need to follow you might need to act on I encourage you to just you know we have we have staff here we have uh, we, we that can walk with you can talk to you can encourage you you know and and Sometimes you just need somebody to help you process stuff. And I want to encourage you to take advantage of that. You know, it's not the one size fits all kind of thing. And, you know, every situation is unique and individual. And, but I encourage you to get godly advice. Seek godly counsel. Uh, look, look for godly friends in your life and talk to them. But let God help you. Let the body of Christ help you. Amen. And you can make it regardless of where you're at. God will give you the help to do it. Amen. Father in heaven, we thank you and praise you for your grace that's here today. Lord, we thank you, God, that you love us all. 
whether we're married or we're single, whether we're short, whether we're tall, whether we're rich, whether we're poor, you love us all, Lord. You like us all. You value us all. And we thank God for that, Lord. And that, God, you have words of edification and encouragement for us regardless of where we are. So, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I ask you to release your grace over this body and over this congregation today. Lord, may the Spirit of God and the grace of God and the hand of God and the blessing of God be released over the house of God today in a mighty way. Lord, may your truth prevail over our lives. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. We pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.